Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rust Report on the Bet 1520 AM radio, reaching 17 states and much of Canada. We're very honored to have with us a highly esteemed researcher, lecturer, guide, teacher with urban history in Nuremberg, Germany. I'm referring to Alexander Estel. Let me tell you a little bit about his background. Born in 1978, Alexander grew up in Spalt, a small town, 3,000 inhabitants, 20 miles south of Nuremberg, Germany. As a child, he saw the final parts of the main Danube Canal and its storage lakes constructed. One of the lakes is just three miles from his hometown. Later, Alexander Estel studied history at the University of Erlangen with a focus on local and regional history in Bavaria, In 2004, Alexander Estel started working as a local guide in Nuremberg and Erlangen. 2011 to 2017, Alexander worked also as a teacher at the Department of History at the University Erlangen, but always continued guiding, and this way also got into the river cruise business as a guide, but also as an onboard lecturer. I was fortunate on a Uniworld cruise on the SS Beatrice, to hear his lecture, and now we have him with us today on the Rusk Report on the Bet AM 1520. Let's um, uh, talk a little bit about the canal history and the start with locks centuries and centuries ago. Alexander Estel. Yeah, uh, so the canal, of course, uh, it has a bit of a background on the historical side, certainly, uh, and uh, well, uh, it starts basically with uh, Emperor Charlemagne you know, back in the early Middle Ages. Uh, the idea, uh, after all, is uh, to connect uh, the systems of the rivers Rhine uh, and Danube, which have no natural connection. Uh, and, uh, well, um, it is then called Main or Main Danube Canal uh, because the river Main uh, connects over to the Rhine. Uh, and, uh, well, the connection um, where uh, today exists goes uh, from the city of Bamberg at the Main the northern part of the state of Bavaria, uh, then down southward uh, across Nuremberg, and then crossing the uh, continental divide, or as we call it here, the European watershed, 
uh, then down to the town of Kelheim at the Danube. Um, but the idea, of course, of making a connection uh, to be able to travel from the Black Sea to the North Sea or vice versa really goes back to the early Middle Ages. Uh, and, uh, well, Emperor Charlemagne in the year 793 already uh, had the idea developed uh, that uh, there should be a, um, a trench between two smaller rivers, one of them connecting over uh, to the Rhine system and the other to the Danube system, and that making interchanging possible. Yet, um, as we are sure today, uh, this project was started, uh, but never completed, uh, until the first real connection uh, between the two river systems was when only made uh, in the middle of the 19th century, uh, to be precise, started in 1836, uh, with um, King Ludwig I of uh, Bavaria. Um, and uh, here the canal constructed on almost the same route as the modern one goes today between Bamberg and Kelheim. Uh, total length, 107 miles. Uh, and that was finished in 1846, um, but uh, didn't prove to be very successful because at the same uh, time, uh, the railway was introduced also in Germany uh, the first German railway started 1835 uh, here in my home region uh, at Nuremberg. Uh, and uh, so uh, this uh, uh, canal in the 19th century was a bit of an economic disappointment because the railway, of course, uh, proved to be faster and more reliable. It's a bit similarities to um, uh, North American uh, canal systems, too, uh, where also the railway, of course, um, when uh, took over uh, the economic leads uh, and the canals more and more uh, were falling behind. And so um, this older canal, you know, say here old canal or Ludwig's canal, uh, that uh, was then uh, abandoned uh, after the Second World War, partially uh, refilled again. Uh, and still the idea of the waterway connection between the two natural river systems went on. And then uh, in 1960, finally, uh, the construction uh, of uh, the modern canal, uh, which also you, Brian, uh, traveled on now. Uh, uh, was uh, uh, started uh, and uh, that was uh, finally finished in 1992. It's actually relatively young, uh, after all. Uh, and uh, still, uh, of course, it is an important connection because today it's possible to travel uh, well uh, by ship uh, from uh, the Black Sea coast in Romania and uh, Ukraine, where the Danube Delta is, uh, then uh, up to the North Sea coast in the Netherlands, 2,300 miles, all on the waterway. Wouldn't be possible without that canal. Let's talk a little bit about the Rhine River with the locks uh, into the Netherlands to southwest Germany. Let's talk a little bit about the Rhine River, uh, Alexander Estel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, Rhine, of course, uh, first of all, is uh, one of the two uh, really major systems uh, uh, that we got in Germany. Uh, the other would be the Danube. Uh, and uh, it starts in Switzerland uh, and uh, goes on up uh, in northern direction uh, for a while, uh, then Swiss-German, French-German border, uh, and uh, then, uh, of course, uh, up through uh, western parts of Germany, across Cologne, up into the Netherlands, and then has its delta uh, at uh, the city of Rotterdam uh, in, the, in the Netherlands, an important seaport, um, largest seaport in Europe these days. Uh, and, uh, of course, that's uh, something which made, makes the Rhine an important waterway, uh, of course, belonging the port into the continent, so to speak, uh, and um, always had been, of course, an important uh, waterway and one of the really uh, major rivers, biggest rivers uh, we can find in uh, Europe uh, generally. Uh, and, uh, well, 
Um, of course, uh, the, the Rhine is a, is a really large river, of course, allows even larger boats uh, to travel on uh, than um, the boats which are going on the main Danube Canal, for example, where there are technical limitations uh, by the locks. The Rhine, most of its stretch uh, can be used without uh, locks. There are only a few in southwestern Germany and in Switzerland. Uh, and uh, at the very northern end, there's a canal uh, in the Netherlands which uh, leads uh, from Rotterdam over to Amsterdam, the Amsterdam Canal, which has two locks. Uh, so actually the Rhine uh, River, uh, which uh, needs uh, um, not so many locks, uh, then the River Main or uh, the Main Danube Canal uh, does need. For those who have just tuned in, our guest today is Alexander Estel. He is a researcher, lecturer, guide, teacher. He's associated with Urban History, and they're located in Nuremberg, Germany. So we thank him for making the effort to come on this program today, reaching 17 states in the United States and much of Canada. We have received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand with our 50,000 watts of clear channel power. So if you're listening in Montreal or Buffalo or northern Florida, drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, Bet 1520 Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. And we always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. I'd like to thank those who've called regarding our recent guests, Canadian realist artist D.A. Dunfert, Ambassador to Denmark, former Ambassador Carla Sands, and uh, also Frank Tadaro, Erie County Legislator. Uh, coming up, we're going to have uh, Joseph Winner with Niagara University, and Michael Pawlowski, a National Director of the Polish American Congress uh, from uh, Florida and uh, Virginia. A little plug here. Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal newspaper has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores. For home delivery, call 716 716- 835-9454 that's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week a little bit more information about Alexander Estel researcher, lecturer, guide teacher associated with urban history in Nuremberg uh, Germany he started working as a local guide in Nuremberg and Erlangen 2011 to 2017. Alexander worked also as a teacher at the Department of History at the University Erlangen, but always continued guiding, and this way also got into the river cruise business as a guide, but also as an onboard lecturer, as I heard his gifted lecture on the SS Beatrice with Uniworld. Since 2017, Alexander Oz Estel's main job is being guide coordinator for History for All, Everyone, an organization providing most of the guides for river cruises coming to Nuremberg, but also he does research on local history and offers tours and other educational programs to the local population. 
Again, our guest is a researcher, lecturer, guide, teacher, Alexander Estel with Urban History. Let's talk about the Danube from the forest to Austria to the Black Sea. Let's talk about the dimensions, the things that are available on the Danube for people to uh, perhaps ship goods, to travel, to enjoy, to recreate. Let's talk about that. Alexander Estel with Urban History. Yeah, so uh, the Danube, of course, uh, that is uh, always something important to talk about here, uh, with uh, being um, the uh, second longest river uh, in Europe. After all, the longest, interesting enough, is the River Volga in Russia. Uh, but, uh, uh, well, um, the Danube, um, that is a multinational connection also, uh, because uh, on its uh, long journey uh, of, uh, yeah, a good uh, 2,000 miles length, uh, it uh, touches 10 countries, uh, Central and Southeastern Europe, starts in Germany, in the southwest, in the Black Forest area, and then goes eastwards across Austria, Slovakia, Hungary, Croatia, Serbia, Bulgaria, Romania, Moldova, and finally at the Delta, even touching the Ukraine, and then into the, the Black Sea. Uh, so also that always being an important uh, waterway connection, uh, as uh, also the Rhine, uh, and also an important recreational uh, area in many ways, and today, not only river cruises going there, uh, but uh, also a lot of uh, hiking and uh, bicycle holidays uh, really go along uh, the Danube, uh, especially uh, in Germany and Austria, but also uh, further down. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, really an uh, interesting river in many ways. Uh, also, yeah, with uh, today uh, as an, uh, an economic waterway, uh, being of course a river which um, sometimes is a bit half natural with uh, a lot of locks. Uh, uh, so, for example, six locks uh, are in, in Germany or nine in Austria. Uh, and, um, well, we're putting there a lot of cruise ships through, especially in the route from Budapest, uh, then uh, in uh, the direction of Austria, Germany, and often enough uh, up, well, uh, to uh, to the Netherlands. Uh, so, uh, really a river of, uh, of importance uh, and uh, also quite uh, quite a big one in many ways, and also uh, even uh, in, its, in its whole history, always also of a bit of a geostrategic importance, because of course the River Danube um, offers access to the Black Sea without having to go across uh, the Mediterranean Sea, uh, and uh, that even had been uh, one of the, the backgrounds in the 19th century in the debate about the possibility of uh, a mine Danube Canal and the waterway. Uh, uh, could Germany get access to the Black Sea without having to go across, uh, well, the high seas, which uh, in the 19th and early 20th century were uh, usually British controlled? Huh? So uh, also we have the Danube, of course, playing a role a bit in uh, geostrategic ideas uh, of the time around 1900. Let's talk a little bit about the extent of the Danube. You mentioned it touching 10 different countries. Uh, so this has a big impact on trade tourism, uh, really the functioning of European society because the Danube is such an important part of the economy and so vital to the population. Let's talk about the outreach of this Danube River to 10 different countries. Yes, in, uh, in the end, really uh, 10 uh, different countries, with Germany, Austria, Slovakia, Hungary, Croatia, Serbia, Bulgaria, Romania, Moldova, and the Ukraine. And, uh, uh, well, people along the Danube, um, yeah, uh, 
sometimes really say others living at the Danube further upstream or downstream are not so much different uh, from uh, like we are. And so the Danube is a bit of a, of a connector uh, of people, uh, certainly. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, of course, important uh, in uh, transportation of almost any kinds of goods. It is also, of course, a river uh, on which uh, larger inland uh, barges can go on. Uh, and uh, especially in the transportation of, uh, of grain, it is important. Uh, so from the Black Sea area, uh, then up into the continent, but also from the same area, uh, resources. Uh, and uh, saying that uh, oil and uh, gas fields can be found in the countries around the Black Sea. Of course, as aware, um, it uh, plays quite a role. No? Very good. Now, looking back in history, Alexander Estel with Urban History in Nuremberg, Germany, and he's providing this interview by remote uh, taping. Uh, you mentioned in your lecture in Europe about the Romans um, not needing uh, canals because they had great roads. Um, how did this mm -hmm. change where uh, Europeans found they needed the canal vitally for trade and economic development? Yeah. The thing is, uh, the ancient Romans certainly also would use uh, rivers and also uh, in some parts would build canals even. Uh, but uh, still, of course, um, they uh, relied on their on their road system, which allowed, of course, especially uh, bringing uh, troops uh, quickly uh, to all the parts of their big empire. Um, but uh, then again, uh, of course, when uh, the Roman Empire ended, uh, so the West Roman Empire at the end of the 5th century, uh, then um, uh, the uh, road system which were left uh, behind deteriorated. And uh, so um, it means, of course, that uh, the, the people then, the kingdoms developing then in the early Middle Ages, had for long distance uh, journeys often to rely on rivers uh, or also on canals. That is when why I uh, said in the beginning, Charlemagne considered uh, already a canal connection between uh, the natural systems of Danube and Rhine. Uh, so uh, also, of course, it is worth noticing uh, that most of what is Germany today uh, was not part of the ancient Roman Empire, only uh, the western part and the very southern parts, um, but uh, not the center, the north and the east. Uh, and uh, so where never uh, Roman roads were built, uh, also not further into Eastern Europe. Um, so there, of course, uh, rivers and in the long run and also canals um, always would play a, a bigger role for transportation uh, before uh, only uh, in the 18th century the idea of uh, um, uh, more elaborate uh, road system uh, reappeared and was uh, technically possible. We're learning a great deal for, uh, from a historian, a researcher, lecturer, guide, and teacher with Urban History, our guest today on the Rust Report on the BET AM 1520. Our guest is Alexander Estel, and he is affiliated with Urban History in Nuremberg, Germany. We thank him for coming on this program with a remote broadcast. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, New York, Toronto, Canada, or Manhattan, drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, care of the Rusk Report, Bet AM 1520 Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. Always greeting cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. A little bit more information about Alexander Estel. 
He is still guiding a lot and doing onboard lectures for Urban History. That's the name of the uh, company. Since, of course, river cruising in the area of Nuremberg, Germany, and the main Danube Canal go together. Again, he is a researcher, lecturer, guide, teacher with Urban History, our guest, Alexander Estel, on the Rusk Report. Let's talk about going back in history to Charlemagne. In 800 AD, he said that the uh, trench was needed between the Rhine River and the Danube River. Why was this important to Charlemagne in 800 AD? Uh, well, actually, uh, uh, 700 AD, even so, eighth eighth century, uh, and uh, thing uh, being, of course, uh, Charlemagne um, was on the way of yeah getting uh, becoming the dominant uh, figure in Europe at that time, uh, and uh, well, uh, trying to consolidate his empire uh, just in the time when he also uh, reached out uh, to Rome uh, to uh, when. For the first time, did the long run become then uh, well Roman emperor uh, as his official title? He got that in the year 800 finally. Uh, but uh, well, was traveling uh, through the area where Nuremberg is today um, in 793, uh, and uh, where on this journey it was found out um, by his engineers that uh, there are these little rivers uh, quite close to each other. But yeah, um, one goes uh, to the Danube system, one. Uh, to the, uh, the Rhine system, and they are divided uh, by a natural division line, which uh, is today known as the European watershed, but the equivalent of a great continental divide, which you would find also with the Rocky Mountains in uh, North America. So the geographic effect uh, is uh, quite similar one here in Europe. Uh, and uh, so um, in the end, the idea would be with an empire, uh, which uh, would reach from the North Sea um, down into Italy. You know? the, the empire Charlemagne was uh, at that time building. Of course, um, uh, this uh, connection would really, really then connect a major part uh, of his empire. You know? So the, the former core uh, of uh, uh, the former ancient Roman Empire and now with uh, the parts that he came from. Uh, so uh, since uh, his people, the Franks, uh, were originally uh, from the Rhine area and had conquered France, or what is today France. Uh, and uh, so, of course, um, connecting Rhine and Danube uh, would be then, uh, of course, a, a major economic and uh, maybe also military connection, of course, uh, in uh, uh, this part of his new empire. Now, we're going to learn a little bit more about European history and the importance of the Danube and Rhine rivers for trade, economic development, tourism. Now, in 1826, King Ludwig I was working also on the 107-mile-long canal. Let's talk about his involvement, King Ludwig I. Yeah, Ludwig I, uh, in 1825, becoming uh, King of Bavaria, and uh, then uh, being impressed by successful canals in France and England at that time, and also uh, ordered that a canal would be built um, to connect uh, the systems of uh, Rhine and Danube. Uh, and uh, that was really uh, an economic idea. So that was uh, the time uh, when also in uh, uh, the southern part of Germany, uh, industrialization really began. Uh, and um, so, of course, uh, trade was growing. Uh, and uh, Ludwig uh, I, uh, as Bavarian king, uh, also had the long-term goal 
uh, that uh, the German kingdoms, it was not a German nation uh, really yet, uh, that the German kingdoms uh, should form a common market. Uh, and uh, so really uh, here really uh, the um, economic background is very much obvious uh, and uh, then uh, his idea of making their canal connection which would allow uh, then of course um, uh, especially in Nuremberg as a major industry city in his kingdom uh, then to of course uh, do exports uh, in both directions no? uh, north uh, then uh, to the Main and into the Rhine and south across the Danube so that, of course, being his drive, and finally, well, 1836, the construction of uh, his canal began. Very good. We have about four minutes left on the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. Mm-hmm. We're honored to have European esteemed lecturer, researcher, guide, and teacher Alexander Estel, affiliated with Urban History in Nuremberg, Germany. Now, in the 1930s, uh, I, I understand there was a lot of transportation of beer and other items on the Danube. Uh, could you tell us about trade 90 years ago and how it made the importance of having a full canal system? Yeah, um, of course, uh, the, the Danube have been really playing their major role in transportation, yeah, be it really for beer, but also for uh, almost any kind of resource. Uh, yet, um, at that time, Ludwig's Canal, of course, still existing, uh, was simply too narrow and had too many locks uh, to, to fit bigger uh, bigger boats on. So at that time, um, for the transportation between the so- uh, southern parts and northern parts of uh, Bavaria, um, the railway played a bigger role. But the debate at that time was also still going about the possibility uh, of uh, a canal where the larger barges would fit on. Yet, uh, 1930s, of course, also the time the Nazi regime came to power in Germany. Um, and they favored the construction of roads, of autobahns, uh, as new means of transportation. Uh, so it means uh, the new canal that we got today um, was not attempted before the Second World War, uh, but only after the war, um, this came back onto the agenda again. In well, 1960, construction of the, the modern canal only would start, uh, which when uh, today uh, has a certain importance uh, in um, cargo transportation. But uh, by now we can really say its importance in uh, tourism, river cruising, um, has grown even bigger. Uh, and also, at the beginning, was not even intended. Let's talk a little bit more about the tourism opportunities with riverboat cruises. Hundreds of thousands of people go on the Danube and the Rhine River every year for tourism, big economic development and trade a facet of the European economy. Let's talk about that for a minute and a half, Alexander Estel. Yeah. So uh, just just a few things about that. Uh, at the moment, um, it is uh, uh, in, in numbers uh, almost, almost the same between uh, cruise ships and cargo ships on the Main Danube Canal. On the rivers Rhine and Danube, of course, cargo ships are st- uh, still dominant. But on the canal, uh, the river cruises have become more and more important. Uh, so uh, we're seeing more than a thousand journeys uh, go across the Main Danube Canal uh, every year. Uh, that means, for example, for a city like Nuremberg, um, about 200,000 uh, visitors, uh, river cruise guests coming to town. And uh, this, of course, uh, is important for the local economy. Uh, uh, on the one hand, uh, yeah, ca- cargo transportation is a lot less than expected uh, when the, uh, uh, the canal was built in the 1960s. 
but uh, the river cruising, which was not part of the original plans, on the other hand, now today more and more makes up for that because, of course, when 200,000 people across the year come, everyone leaves a bit of money in town. Uh, of course, guides need to be booked, uh, supplies for ships need to be bought, buses, transportation is necessary, and so on and so forth. I'm sorry uh, so, we uh, have to bring... Uh, uh, economic impact. I'm sorry yeah. we have to bring the program to a close. We've learned so much from Alexander Estel with Urban History in Nuremberg, Germany, prominent researcher, lecturer, guide, and teacher. Thank you for enlightening us. Also, special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production for the past 15 years. We've enjoyed learning so much about the Danube River and tourism with Alexander Estel. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.